0: Some praise, take a seat. Good morning, everybody. Oh, good morning, Pastor Nate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. A couple quick things before we get going. The first is we talked about it last week the City Light School of Mission starting next semester. You can participate full time, you can audit the classes and participate part time. Uh, and you can go on the mission trip. Those are three different ways. Maria and the team will be in the lobby. We'd love for you to just talk about how you could possibly be involved and learn more. We want to do our very best to train everyone at a very intense level to be a missionary for Jesus wherever you are in whatever phase of life you are. So please find out more about that in the lobby. Second thing is uh, we would like to build more of a choir, and we're going to try to implement this more on Sunday. So if you're interested in that, please reach out to Maria, let her know, and she'd be happy to help facilitate some of that uh, to see how this works out. So if you're interested in being part of a choir, please let us know. Okay, we're continuing in our Advent series this morning called The Offer on the Table. Jesus wants to offer you something that'll transform your life. This is what Christmas represents, is that Jesus came to give us something. Last week, we talked about hope, how Jesus comes to give us hope, and today we are talking about Peace, how Jesus comes to give us peace, the offer on the table for you, for some of you for the very first time to finally be at peace, and for many of you as a renewal in your life to live at peace. Jesus wants to bring you peace. In light of talking about peace, I thought, you know, sometimes there's a word, we don't even, we kind of know what the feeling is, but what is, what is the definition of peace? So I have a few definitions for you from the internet, Okay. The first is from vocabulary.com. It says, peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there's no fighting or war and everything coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. It's like, that sounds like a bit much. Like, I don't know. I guess we just can't have peace if that's... Wow, that's a big definition. I thought, wow, this is actually depressing. Here's another. A stress-free state of security and coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. You think, well, here's another one. And every parent will say amen to this. Peace is a state of tranquility or quiet. This is Merriam-Webster, which is a real dictionary. Peace is a state of tranquility or quiet. Um, you know. And every parent in the room said, I guess I got no peace. I guess I got no peace. And anybody living in D.C. actually would say, yeah, I guess I got no peace. There ain't no such thing as tranquility and quiet around here. Our, you know, our experience in life, we laugh because our experience in life matches with how ridiculous these definitions sound. We hear the definitions, we think that's kind of silly and funny. We want peace. We know we want peace. But when we hear what peace is, that seems too idealistic. There's no way that anything like that could exist in my life. This is why we think it's funny that every beauty pageant contestant says they want world peace. Well, you're never going to get it. So why don't you find something else to ask for? World peace. We say, well, why do you keep asking? We know this by our experience. I don't know if you've heard this, but loneliness has been declared an actual epidemic by the Surgeon General. An epidemic. An epidemic like a, 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 a problem in the world around us that needs to be dealt with. Many of us are aware that mental health, especially for younger generations, is rapidly on the decline. We know that there are wars taking place and rumors of wars that seem to might be taking place. We all experience daily fears, oppressive thoughts, bad memories, broken relationships. We have broken bodies and broken dreams. And this is just on our daily experience. There is clearly an evident absence of peace in the world around us, but also in our lives. And you know what? We know that this doesn't seem right. Something that tells you you were made for God is the inclination you have to believe that things should be better than they are. If God didn't make us and we're just randomly here, then why would we think things should be better than they are? We should think that's just the way it is but we know that's not the case. Deep down inside, we know that's not the case. We know that things should be different. We know that things should be better. We know inherently that it shouldn't be this way. We know, actually, from the inside, God tells us he writes his law in our hearts. We know that we are made to be at peace. And we don't experience peace in our world We don't experience peace in our lives, so now we are in conflict with what we know ought to be true and what we experience on a daily basis. We're so inclined towards peace in the world that we award people with a prize, an award called the Nobel Peace Prize. A quick fun fact about the Nobel Peace Prize is that the guy who invented the Nobel Peace Prize is the guy who invented dynamite. His name was Alfred Nobel. He made dynamite to be able to build things and knock things out of the way. It was a construction tool. And then obviously, because we're human beings, people started to use dynamite to hurt people. He was so distraught by the fact that people were using his invention to hurt people that he decided to put a bunch of money in a fund and create it and give a prize, a money prize to people who are creating peace in the world. And that's where we get the name, the Nobel Peace Prize. The Nobel Peace Prize exists because humans have an inclination to take things that should be used for good and use them for bad. That's why it exists. And the reason why you and I don't experience peace in the world is the same thing. Things that are supposed to be for good and our lives that are supposed to be intended towards good are actually filled with lots of bad and we wonder, what are we supposed to do about it? And I just want to put in front of us this morning, what if the solution for world, for the world, the solution of the world, what if the solution we need in this world doesn't come from the world? What if we're looking in all the wrong places? I want to put to you this morning that peace is actually available, the kind of peace I even read about, the kind of idealistic peace is available to us, we just have to look for it in the right place. So that's what we're going to do this morning, and I hope that you find it, some of you for the very first time, and some of you as a renewal of your experience of peace with God. So go ahead and open to Luke chapter 2. Let's go. We're going to read an example of the life of this guy, Simeon, which is part of the Christmas story. So we're going to start in verse 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, he blessed God, and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. We'll stop there. Like we said, last week, the offer on the table was hope. This week, the offer on the table is peace. And what I want you to understand is how connected these two things are. We see this in the life of Simeon. Simeon is an example for us. Simeon was at peace because his hope was renewed. The the thing he had been hoping for, a Messiah, a Savior, was now in front of him. And because he had a renewed hope, his life and his soul was filled with peace. And so it is with us. We cannot have peace apart from having hope. And therefore, we need Jesus for both of these things. What I want you to understand as we dive into this passage is the connection between peace and seeing Jesus. You see in this passage, as soon as he laid eyes on Jesus and saw Jesus for who he really is, the Savior of the world, his soul was filled with peace, a peace that was so overwhelming that he says he's okay with even death. It's a kind of peace that is significant, it's supernatural, it's out of this world kind of peace. And this is exactly the kind of peace Simeon experienced when he sees Jesus, and it's exactly the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring. Earlier in Luke chapter 2, we see when the angels show up and they tell the world that the Savior is coming, this is how they announce it. It says, Suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. So God gets glory. What do, what do we get? And on earth, peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Peace is exactly what Jesus came to bring. And it is exactly what Jesus has made possible through his death and resurrection. And it is exactly what Jesus wants to offer you this morning. Simeon is a testimony to the same thing that you can experience and have when you put your eyes on Jesus. And as we see from Simeon's life, the connection between seeing Jesus and having peace is significant. Because just like we learned with hope, peace is the same. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's not a way of life. Peace is not even just a definition, something to define. But just like with hope, we see that peace is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. What you need to understand about this is that we find peace only in the presence of Jesus. We find peace only in the presence of Jesus. We do not find peace in the absence of difficulty in trials, but in the presence of Jesus. And too often we look for peace in the absence of hard things, as opposed to in the presence of the one thing, Jesus Christ. And you will not have peace, even if you do not have trouble. Because peace is not the absence of hard things. It is the presence of Jesus Christ. Peace is a person, peace is not a wish, peace is not an idea, peace is not an abstract concept, peace is a person, and the only way to get peace is to get Jesus. When Jesus comes, then peace comes. This is how the world is, and this is how it's announced. When Jesus is present, and those who have followed Jesus in the room know this, when Jesus is present, then peace is present. Because Jesus is with me, then peace is with me also. If Jesus lives in me by faith, then peace lives in me by faith. It is something that I always have, and I want all of us to unlock this reality in our lives. That if you're here today and you know God, you always have access to his perfect peace through Jesus Christ. But you're not going to find it in getting out of your trouble, but getting into the presence of Jesus. And that's a big distinction because we spend more of our time trying to get out of trouble than trying to get into the presence of God. And you're not even going to find peace when you get out of trouble, but you can be in trouble and find peace when you get into the presence of God. This is what Jesus offers us. We find peace in the presence of Jesus. And I also want to put in front of you, maybe those of you who are here, or you're watching online, or a friend brought you, or it's Christmas and, you're not following God yet, you're not even sure about these things yet, I just wanna help you understand that you cannot have peace apart from following Jesus, which is why it's been, you've been trying and it's not working. C.S. Lewis once said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. So you can't, God can't even give you peace apart from himself because he is peace. There's no such thing as peace apart from God. And there's no such thing as real, rooted happiness apart from God. And until you choose to follow God and receive Jesus, you will never be able to receive peace and happiness. These things go hand in hand. And maybe you have tried everything else in the world to get peace for your life, and it hasn't been working, so I just want to plead with you this morning that maybe you should try Jesus and put your faith in him. As we talk about peace, the way we're going to go through the rest of this time is we're gonna talk about it in three dimensions. Peace is a 3D peace. It has three dimensions. Jesus offers us a well-rounded peace. The three dimensions of peace are vertical, you have peace with God, internal, which is peace within oneself, and horizontal, which is peace with others. God wants to give you a holistic peace, a full, well-rounded peace, a three-dimensional peace. Peace with God, peace within yourself, and peace with others. So let's start with the first one, a vertical peace, peace with God. Simeon said, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon understood this all important fact that we need to understand is that the first element of peace we need is peace with God. That's why Simeon is thankful for salvation. Not just help, not just good advice, but salvation. What people need and what Simeon knew we need is salvation. Our relationship with God has been broken because of sin. The reason there is not peace in the world is because there is sin in the world. And you and I are a part of that. We have created the brokenness of the world around us and the brokenness inside of us. The reason why we do not have peace is not because we cannot get along with one another. It is because we are at enmity with God. Our sin has broken, severed our relationship with God. And what did we say before? If God is peace and my relationship with God is broken, then I do not have access to peace. This is the condition of the human race, of every single person. What we need is salvation, rescue. This is what God has sent. This is what Simeon understood is that we have sinned, our sins need to be forgiven. God sent Jesus to die on a cross and rise from the dead so that whoever puts their faith in him can have their relationship with God restored, can have their sins forgiven, can have their outcome of their destiny from hell to heaven. Everything changes and that person who now has salvation has peace. You cannot have peace without having peace with God. That's the starting point of all kinds of peace. Peace. And the reason you don't have peace with God is because you do have sin. And I have sin. And this has separated us from God's peace. We need salvation and we need a savior. What you have to understand about peace is that world peace would not ever even put you at peace. The the main peace that you need is not peace with men, but peace with God. Which means that you're looking for the solution in the wrong place even if the world was all of a sudden miraculously to be at peace, you still wouldn't have peace because the main problem that you and I have is not that we don't have peace with one another, is that we don't have peace with God. And this is why God sends Jesus. This is why Christmas is so significant, that God sends Jesus into the world. Why? Because we cannot create peace with God on our own. We cannot forgive our own sins. We cannot make it right with God. There is nothing we can do to restore our relationship back to God. We can't work hard enough for it, serve hard enough for it, go to church enough to get it, and be nice enough to do it, and say enough Hail Marys to get it. We can't do that. It doesn't work that way. What we need is a Savior to come to us. The problem with humanity is we cannot get to God. It's impossible, so we need God to come to us. And if God doesn't come to us, then we never get to be with God. And that's why it's really good news and why Christmas is so significant that God decided out of love for us to come down and save us. This is the good news of the gospel. You and I need peace with God. God wants to be at peace with us, and so he sent Jesus who willingly came, died, and rose again so that we can now have peace with God. And let me tell you something about the peace God gives you. If you can be at peace with God, then you can handle the lack of peace in the world. But even if you were to be at peace in the world, it would not be enough to help you handle the lack of peace you have with God. Do you understand? If you have peace with God, then you can handle a lack of peace in the world. But even if somehow things were to work out for you to have peace in the world, The peace the world gives you would not be sufficient or enough to help you handle or deal with the lack of peace you have with God. Which goes to show you that what we really need is peace with God. And as we get ready to move on to inner peace, we have to connect these two things. Is that inner peace cannot be achieved apart from having peace with God. Which you must understand is if there is no peace with God, then there is no peace anywhere else. And so how do I have peace with God? I mean, we've been talking about the gospel. Romans 5.1 makes it real explicitly clear. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say we have peace with God through our good works. We have peace with God through all the things we can do. We have peace with God through getting our life back right. We have peace with God through those things, through another later, another Savior, another prophet. No, no, no. It says we have peace with God only by one way, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you take that way, when you choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, now you're on the path to peace. And what does it require, it says? We have been justified through, it says, faith. The way to have peace with God is to put your faith or your trust in Jesus and his life that he lived on your behalf, a perfect life, one that you could never live. His death that he died in your place so that you do not have to suffer the wrath of God. And the resurrection that he hid, he did so that he could prove that he really was God and give us victory over the grave. These are the things you must put your faith in. And when you do that, you are at peace with God. Some of you need to do that this morning. You're here or you're watching online. There's no reason to go any farther in your life or really in the, in the sermon. Except for you needing to put your faith and trust in Jesus so that you can be made right with God. So that's the first dimension of peace and it's the most important one and it's the thing that dictates all the others. If you don't have the first dimension, you can't have the others. Peace with God, vertical. The second peace, which is the one I think the world is after the most, I think people care more about this than even world peace, is internal. The The second dimension of peace is peace within myself, peace within oneself, This is really what we all want. And I think this is what we talk about when we talk about peace is like a a feeling of peace within myself. That I can be at peace. This is what we're all after. And Simeon, the verse we just read before, it says, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Like we said, Simeon is so much at peace on the inside that he's okay with death. A, A way I want you to see this is that seeing Jesus settles us. When we see Jesus, it settles us. It takes our worries and the things that that we're prone to struggle with and our anxieties of life and it settles us because in Jesus we know that we have the solution. In Jesus, we have the salvation we need from our sins. In Jesus, we have the Lord who's turning all bad things into good things. In Jesus, we have a good shepherd. In Jesus, we have a savior. In Jesus, we have a father and a friend. In Jesus, we have everything that we need. So when we see Jesus, just like with Simeon, it settles us even in the face of death. It's a peace that is so supernatural that it can face death with peace. This is what we had, that Simeon had, and this is what he wants to give, what God wants to give us as well. And what I want you to understand about this present moment in Simeon's life that we get is that there's a lot behind it. And what the text seems to imply for us is that Simeon did not go from frantic, troubled to peaceful, but he made steps of progress on the path to peace, that he went from peaceful to peaceful to peaceful to more peaceful. And this is what I want for you and for me. And here's what we're going to see from his life. I think it's so significant for us and I think it's going to help you a lot to have more internal peace. An essential part of Simeon's path of peace, how did Simeon go from peace to peace to peace to more peace? How was he on this progression of peace? How did he not just go from frantic, chaotic to peaceful and stable? What did it look like for Simeon to live a kind of life that was peaceful? Well, there are two things about Simeon's life we see here is that he was waiting on the right thing, Jesus and he was waiting in the right way. The Bible calls him righteous and devout. Why did Simeon, why was he on the path of peace? Two reasons. He was waiting for the right thing. The Bible calls it the consolation of Israel, which is another way to think about the Messiah, the Savior that was to come, the promise in the Old Testament. He was waiting on God to fulfill his promise and sending the Messiah, which is Jesus. He was waiting for the right thing. And not only was he waiting for the right thing, but he was waiting in the right way. He was righteous and devout. He was choosing to obey God, even when he couldn't see all the time how it was going to go. So in light of that, the first one I want you to consider is to answer this question. What are you waiting for in life? What are you waiting for? What is it that you are waiting for and longing for that you think, when it comes, I will be at peace? There's something for all of us. We think, if only I had, if only I were, if only this worked this way, then I would be at peace. So what is it that you are waiting for? Are you waiting for some good news? Are you waiting for a problem to get solved? Are you waiting for a restoration in life? Are you waiting for the ability to buy more material possessions? What are you you waiting for that you think, when that comes, I will have more peace? There's something for all of us. And I want to put before you the idea that often we don't have peace because a lot of times we are waiting on the wrong things. We're waiting on the wrong things. And therefore, we do not have peace while we wait. We're waiting on the wrong things. Uh, One time when I was uh, with my family, and we, we went to Alaska, I told you last year, right? And part of the Alaska trip was that we had to do a layover in San Francisco. And so we were in San Francisco. This was all not part of the original flight plan. Things got messed up. And so we fly from D.C. straight to San Francisco. Instead of it going direct again back up to Juneau or whatever, it it wasn't that way. We ended up having three hours in San Francisco. And so I had three hours in San Francisco before the next flight went off. And anybody who knows me can probably guess that we didn't just sit around. I thought, we got three hours in San Francisco, let's make something of it. So I said, let's go. We're gonna go rent a van. We're going to drive to the Chase Center and see where Steph Curry plays. We're going to go get in and out and eat some burgers. We're going to drive to the Golden Gate Bridge, take a picture at the Golden Gate Bridge, drive back to the airport, go back through security, and get on this plane. And I thought, we're going to make this fun, all right? This is going to be an adventure. We're going to be spontaneous, all right? Who wants to sit in an airport for three hours? Nobody. Nobody. So we were all like, this is the plan, guys. We have three hours. We didn't expect this. So here's what we're going to do with these three things. Ste- chase centers to see Steph Curry play. Uh, we're going to go get in and out because this is the best burger. And we're going to go take a picture of the Golden Gate Bridge. These three things. Okay. They're like, yeah, 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 let's do it. So I'm like, when we get out of this plane, we got to run. We're okay? three hours. We have three hours. Okay? And I was looking at the maps. It's like a 30 minute drive. So I'm stuck. I got two hours if no traffic. So we get in there. We get in the van. And I go, I run to the counter and say, do you have a van I can rent right now? It needs to fit the hundred people, you know, I kind a, <laughs> a big van. She's like, well, we have this kind of van. I'm like, we'll make it work. I don't care. Somebody has to sit on the floor. Okay, we'll do this with this. Okay. nobody's sat on the floor. Okay, just to be clear. Everybody had a seatbelt. It was tight, though. And we are in the van. I say, we get in the van. We go, we run. We get all the way to uh, uh, the first things, Chase Center, Steph Curry's things. Hey, take a so Everybody's happy. Woo. We get in the car. We drive to In-N-Out. In and Out was slammed, slammed. But I was like, I refuse to leave In and Out. So I made my order and I just stood there anxiously, just waiting and waiting. I'm talking like In and Out. The line was like 100 people. It was just big, right? So my wife dropped me off. I ran in, I ordered, and I'm just looking at the time like, am I going to be late for a plane because of In and Out? I don't know how to explain this to the people who are waiting for me on the other side. Like, I just had to have In and Out. I'm sorry. I missed the plane, you know? <laughs> Uh, maybe that makes sense. It's a good reason. So, we we were in in and out Okay, finally we got it. We're waiting. I'm like, guys, do we have time to go to Golden Gate Bridge? Everybody's like, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm like, we gotta do it. We're gonna make it happen. So we're eating in the car. We drive to Golden Gate Bridge. Everybody gets out. Hey, we're at the Golden Gate Bridge. Take a picture. Woo! Everybody take a picture. Okay, great. We're here. Everybody good? Good, 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 good. Okay, good. We get back in the car and we drive. Hit some traffic. Okay, we end up getting to the airport. Rushing in, and we made it. Woo! We made it. We made it. We made it. We made it. We're sitting at the airport gate. Yeah, we made it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. I got the Fun Dad Award that day, all right? And so we get back to the airport. We made it. Whoo! We're good. Okay, we're sitting down. And it's getting close to the time of departure, and we're confused because nobody's there. We should have thought about this probably ahead of time when we noticed that things weren't progressing in the normal way. And Christian was like, because the sign still said, uh Alaska. And Christian was like, maybe they changed the gate. And I was like, I feel like you'd get an update about that. You know, like, I don't know. Well, part of the problem was because we, we switched everything, we had paper tickets. So I didn't have anything in my app. There wasn't anything, like, updated, you know, and I was working with paper which is a big problem, you know? So I don't know how, what do you do with paper? You can't, paper can't get updated. This is a problem. So I just look real quick at the flight list and I see it's at a different gate. The flight's taking off at a different gate. And so it's not too far. So I just take off. I mean, I'll be right back. I run all the way. And literally, as soon as I get up to that gate, they say, last minute call for anybody left for flight to Alaska and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I was like, hey, I just told this steward, they They're down there like, wait. I just turned around and I started running in the middle of the airport. It's like Home Alone, you know, like. Ta-da-da. You start running in the middle of the airport. I'm just screaming at Kristen, get the kids, get the kids. Everybody, we're at the wrong gate. Turn around, turn around, you know. And I'm running. The whole airport's looking at us. My little army of people, you know, like we're all just grabbing the stuff. Gatorade's flying everywhere. Everybody's just trying to, like, oh, they're waiting on us. They're waiting on us. They'll get the things. And we run back to the gate. We get the Letty the Thing. We get on the plane. Literally, people clap for us when we get on the plane because they must have been waiting for the crew family, you know, and, and uh, here we are. So now everybody can finally take off. We, we just made it, okay? So, whew, praise the Lord. We just made it in there. Now, yes, yes, thank you. Thank you. I love how you all clap for me in these things. Like, I've accomplished something. This is great. This is great. I thought it'd be more embarrassing, but uh, so we made it on the plane. Now, here's the problem with our situation is that we were waiting in the wrong place for the wrong thing, and we almost missed it. And the only problem was that we were waiting for the wrong thing at the wrong place. And I'm telling you the truth for your life, the spiritual principle for you, is that you might be looking for the right thing, but you're waiting in the wrong place. You're waiting for the wrong thing, You're waiting for a particular gate to open when it will not open because you're in the wrong place for the gate to open. And you're waiting for peace, but you're not at the place where peace will be. You're waiting for a solution, but you're not at the place where a solution will be. You are waiting at the wrong place and maybe some of you also waiting for the wrong thing. Because often we know that even the things that we are waiting for, when they are granted to us, They still leave us fundamentally unchanged. You finally have a new car, but you're still riding in the same old soul. you got a new relationship, but you're still fighting the same old empty feeling. You have more opportunities, but no peace. More money, but no peace. More possessions, but no peace. Your dreams are getting fulfilled, but your desires are still staying empty. You have outer success but inner turmoil. You are more comfortable but less peaceful. More successful but less peaceful. More beautiful but less peaceful. More powerful but less peaceful. And even when your closet's full and your fridge is full, and you're still surprised you're not peaceful. This is the problem that we have. But in Christ, what God wants to give you is the exact opposite. In Christ, the this, this situation completely flips upside down, so you can say, even when I'm uncomfortable, I'm peaceful. Even when I'm unsuccessful, I'm peaceful. Even when I'm in trouble, I'm peaceful. Even when it's painful, I'm peaceful. Even when others are hurtful, I'm peaceful. Because my peace is not a product of my circumstances, but a promise from my Savior. And if peace is Jesus, and Jesus is always with me, and I am waiting on the Lord, then I can be at peace. You're waiting on the wrong things in the wrong place. You're waiting to be successful, and it's not going to make you more peaceful. You're waiting to be more powerful, and it's not going to make you more peaceful. You're waiting for life to be more comfortable. It's not going to make you more peaceful because peace is not a product of your circumstances. And if you wait on your circumstances to get better, you will be sad when it doesn't deliver to you that which you looked for. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you're waiting on that person to get it right in your life, the other person, if you're waiting on that girl or guy to show up in your life and make everything right, if you're waiting on your boss to finally approve of you, if you're waiting on somebody to finally think better of you, you are never going to be at peace. Because even if those situations change and those persons' opinions of you changed, it would not give to you that which your soul needs. The peace that you need on the inside is a peace that comes from the outside. It comes from God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're waiting on the wrong thing and you're waiting in the wrong places. And I'm telling you today, that gate that you're looking for is never going to open. And as long as you stay in that same place, you're going to miss the flight. You're going to miss what God offers you. You're going to miss what could be available to you. Listen, we live in D.C. and we're so success-driven and I want you to understand that peace is not a result of success or failure. The whole point of the gospel is that where you fail, Jesus succeeds. I put my faith in someone else to do for me that which I cannot do for myself. Peace as well is not a result of mindfulness or meditation. Peace does not come by being more mindful or meditative. Peace is not just from a practice, even though that's, we're going to see how that lines up in the Bible. Peace doesn't come from meditation. Peace comes from salvation. Peace is not something you can get for yourself. It's something that must be given to you. It's like an organ donation. like It has to come from someone else, and it has to be from the right person. Otherwise, it won't work. And so it is with you. If you want peace to come into your inner soul, you need that to be given to you from the right person, and it's gotta be from somewhere else other than you. And you and I both know that the right person isn't another human being, because none of them have done it for us yet. And the right thing isn't another thing, because that's not doing it for us yet. The right thing that we need to have peace is from Jesus. So I wanna encourage you, to hear the urgency of the gospel, to stop waiting in the wrong place at the wrong thing and to run to the call of Jesus while you still have time. The gate is still open and Jesus is waiting for you. And if you would turn to him, he would turn to you and receive you just like that. So peace is not only about waiting for the right thing. As we see from Simeon's life, peace is waiting the right way. The Bible describes him as righteous and devout. This is very important. The name Simeon means listening or hearing to accept, which I love how the Bible lines these things up. The, his name means listening, and it seems like the character of his life was that he listened to God. You see the Holy Spirit giving him information. He's trusting God's leadership. Simeon's at peace because he has been listening and obeying God. So peace is a gift from God. We can also make more peace in our lives by choosing the pathway of peace. So here's what you must understand. Peace is only found in the pathway of obedience to God. So not only does peace come from God, but the way of life to experience peace on a daily basis. So I get peace as a gift through faith in Jesus. And then I I walk in and I experience, I maximize the level of peace I experience by following and trusting the way of Jesus, So it's not just I submit to him once and receive salvation as a gift. I submit to his leadership every day and walk in peace. This is what God wants for us. It says he was righteous and devout. Now, here's a passage I'm going to read to you that, like, it was one time when you're reading, I don't know if you ever, and it just slaps you, like, pow, you know? Like, you're just reading the Bible, and it's just like, I literally out loud said, whoa, whoa, when I was reading this. I texted somebody, I was like, this is just hitting right now. Here's, this, is, this is very interesting. Isaiah 48, 17-19 says this. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. Now here it is. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river and your well-being like the waves of the sea your descendants would have been like the sand and your children like numberless grains. Their name would not be blotted out or destroyed before me. Look at verse 18. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. And I know the Lord is saying that to so many of you today. Your lack of peace is a product of following your own advice. Your lack of peace is a product of disrespecting the way of God. Your lack of peace is a product of your own ways. The summary of this passage, verse 22, said the Lord says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So we cannot have peace without receiving it first from God, and we cannot live peacefully without obeying God's ways. You see, this is what God is always doing. you got to get it right. God is pulling you in. God isn't saying, you have to live this way or else I'm going to whop, wop wop. God is saying, I am teaching you what is best for you. It's like a parent. And if only you would listen to me. This is what God is saying to some of you this morning. If only you would listen to me. You are stuck and miserable, you lack peace, and you feel empty, and it's because you're not listening to God. And God says, if only you would listen to me, your peace would be a flood like a river, and your well-being would crash on you like the waves of the sea obedience is the pathway to peace. It is a lie from the world to say to follow God's rules will make you miserable. To not follow God's rules will make you miserable. And there's enough evidence of that. And you know that in your own life. And I just wanna plead with you this morning that some of you are in a position of unpeacefulness and a lack of peace because you have refused to listen to God's ways And God is saying to you this morning, I am the Lord who teaches you what is best for you. Everything God says, everything He says to do, everything He says not to do, every attitude of heart He says to have, every attitude of heart to get rid of, every way you should speak, every way you should not speak, everything you should do with your eyes and your mind and your hands and your feet, the desires you should let come up, the desires you should crucify within your flesh, all of these things God is telling you for your best interest is for your good. It's for your good. And I just know, I know, the reason we don't follow all of God's ways is we don't believe at the core of our being that it's best for me. Because we always do what's best for us. And if we believed without a shadow of a doubt that my feelings are terrible leaders, that my perspective is awful, and that God knows what is best for me. And not only does he love me, but he wants me to flourish and do well, that this is God's intention to me. And God is saying, listen, listen today. If you had, if you listen to me, your peace will come back to you. Here's something you must understand is you can't change what was, but you can change what will be. You need to repent for what was. You need to turn to God and receive his grace and mercy. And then you need to choose a different path to take when you leave from here. And if you choose the path of obedience to God, God makes you a promise that his peace will come upon you like rushing waters. But if you choose to continue to refuse the way of Jesus, then you will continue down your own destructive path and your peace will continue to flee away from you. I remember one time I was taking my kids swimming at a gym and it was cold outside. And I remember telling them, it's really cold outside. If you go cold, if you go outside, you're gonna be miserable. Just stay in the pool is heated inside. But you know, the pool on the outside has all the fun stuff, it has the slides and all these different things. It looks really great. It's very tempting, you know, just like many things in the world. But I keep telling them, like, if you go out there, you're gonna be miserable. I promise. And they're like, no, 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 you know, we got it, you know. I'm like, okay. So they go running outside. I'm watching them. And they go, they jump in the water and immediately do one of those like, you know, like, you know. And I see all of them turn around and just take off. And they're running all the way back inside. They jump right in the warm water. And like a good father, I said, I told you so. (laughs) I told you so. If you would have listened to me, you could have avoided that whole thing. You know, there are some things you don't have to learn by experience that you can learn by submission to God's way. Life doesn't always have to be the school of hard knocks. I learn by making mistakes. We will make mistakes, that's unavoidable. But some of them are avoidable. And if you would listen to God, you could avoid making that wrong decision that puts you in a place that you don't want to be. Now, he's always happy to have you come back to him. But he wants what's best for you every second of the day. If only you had listened to me, he said, your peace would be like a rushing water. So peace internally. The third piece is horizontal. It's peace with others. So peace with God, peace within oneself, horizontal, peace with others. The prophecy here says that Jesus will be a light to both Jews and Gentiles, to the people of Israel and the people outside of Israel. The truth of the gospel is it brings together two opposite and counter groups. And really on a daily basis, it brings together completely opposite types of people. The reality of the gospel is it's unifying, and what I want you to see is you cannot have peace with others until these first two are in place. It is the people who have peace with God, who now have peace within oneself, that are able to distribute and live in peace with others. And you are trying to be at peace with others. This is why the world peace thing is so ridiculous. You can't have world peace without God peace. And you can't have peace in your relationships without having peace with God first. You won't have the supernatural ability to forgive or to make right or any of those things that require peace. But here's the trick with, and especially let's say, it's you know, next year's election season and all that. I just wanna say, God's people should be the most peaceful people in the history of the planet. Blessed are the peacemakers. So even as we talk about and go through different things like that in the future, the peace should be the mark of God's people. Those who are at peace with God have peace within and now are at peace with one another. Let me give you some verses. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Romans twelve eighteen, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Romans fourteen nineteen, Let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. These are the commands of God to live at peace with one another that we can only live out when we have peace with God and peace within oneself. But when we get right with God and when we get right within ourselves, then we can make things right with others and you can have three-dimensional peace. And this is the kind of peace God wants to offer you this morning. So stop waiting at the wrong place for the wrong thing. The offer is on the table from Jesus. I want you to turn to him. So I'm gonna have the band go ahead and come back up. And as we respond to God, the last thing I wanna do, I want you to close your eyes because I'm gonna read some verses about peace. And I want to emphasize the fact that this is God's offer to you right now. The word peace in many variations is found over 429 times in the Bible. God emphatically wants you to be at peace. And I'm gonna read some of those references and I just want it to wash over you like a flood. Let the scriptures do work in your heart as we close. Philippians 4, six through seven says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm twenty nine eleven: The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Philippians 4, 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Colossians three fifteen: Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. 2 Thessalonians three sixteen. now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. May the Lord be with you all. Heavenly Father, we pray these scriptures over our lives. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to receive and enjoy the peace that you give us. I pray for those who need to turn to you for the very first time, that they would put their faith in Christ and be at peace with you. I pray that our lives, even in trouble in times of difficulty and despair, would be marked like Simeon by a supernatural peace. That we would be people who are at peace with you, who have peace on the inside, and who can share that peace with others. Lord, make us a peacemaking group of people. And Lord, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.